Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Let's start with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I ask you to open our hearts and speak right to us. Open our brains and speak into the thoughts that we have, Lord, that in this moment, in this time, as school gets back in session, as the weather changes and the allergens fall from everywhere, God, we ask you to to be a part of us, to move in us, to speak into us, to shape us, to change us, that we would leave this place this morning different than when we walked in the doors. God, we need to meet you. I know I need to meet you. I need to see you. I need to feel you, and I need to hear from you. So as people who are trying to figure things out, as people who are interested in you, as people who have been in love with you, people who are mad at you, people who are angry with you, people who are frustrated with you, people who are awed by you, we ask to hear from you today. That you would move in this place, move in our hearts, move in our souls. We love you, and we're trying to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, Ephesians is a small uh, epistle found in the, basically in the back of the, the Bible, um, Feel free to use your table of contents. There's no shame in using your table of contents on these little four or five chapter books, okay? They, they, they move on me, personally. I'm looking at, where did it go? Um, an epistle. What in the world's an epistle, Jared? An epistle is a letter. It's just, when things that happen in the Bible, we use fancy words for them. Uh, an epistle is one of them, right? Uh, so it's just a letter uh, written by a guy named Paul, and Paul is in jail and he's writing uh, the church in Ephesus at this time. Paul's had, um, Paul didn't really, what he did wrong was made the wrong people mad because he was preaching uh, about Jesus. And so uh, Paul's in jail for that and kind of going through the motions of, of what it's like to be in, under house arrest, really, is what, what it probably looks like for him at this moment. And so he's dealing with that. And the people he's writing to love him very much. And they are distraught at the fact that he's in jail. Um, and so they're dealing with this kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of the context of what Paul is writing to. But for the context for us, we're stepping into this this idea of what it looks like to go to rehab. Now, I have the Amy Winehouse song playing in my head constantly when I'm writing, I don't want to go to rehab. No, no, no. Uh, constantly when I'm writing these messages. Um, so... That's just me. So sorry about that. <laughs> but that's what's going on in my head. And now you get that for the rest of the day as well. Um, but, but this idea of what rehab is and what it looks like and, and, and what it is and what it is in the context of this relationship with Jesus. Because um, this is an avenue of discipleship, an avenue of growing with God that I don't know if we actually step into it, um, that we're very comfortable with it. Um, but what rehab is, is rehab deals with a traumatic event. And so you have a trauma, a heart attack, a stroke, the loss of a limb, a broken leg, a torn rotator cuff, um, some sort of substance abuse falling off, whatever it is, after the traumatic event and when they get you stabilized, you go to rehab. And all you have to do is drive down 59 to Plainfield, and you will pass seven different rehab centers. 
right? ATIs and physical therapy this and physical therapy that and physical therapy that. Insurance companies must really pay a lot for PT because good night, there's a lot of them, all right? They're everywhere. Um, Where I grew up in Kokomo, there was one. His name was physical therapy. You only had one in the whole town. It's down to 50,000 people. It's not like some Bodung little thing. Um, But now they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Rehab is a thing, right? Because they're discovering that once you have the trauma, there's got to be some sort of secondary course after that. Once you have the trauma of the, the torn, whatever it is, the broken this or the, the, I can't, the car wreck of this, there's got to be some sort of rehabilitation afterwards. And uh, the crazy thing is, like my mom, um, if you're familiar with my mother, she's had a few traumatic surgeries in her life. Um, we only count surgeries where she goes fully under and she's up to like 52 now, I think, 50, 55, anything like that. So um, <clears throat> it's just is what it is. But there's times, like, she's had both shoulders inverted. They cut off the end of the, um, the humerus and did something with this. And then they were like, let's make a new ball joint. But they did it the other way because, like, your shoulder does this and your, your humerus does this. Now they do this. Okay. Uh, but they did it to both. So you thought you had pain this morning. Eh, don't, don't ever compare it to mom, okay? <laughs> you will lose uh, badly. Uh, but that's, that's just what it, what it is. So she does that. But it's like basically within hours of getting out of the surgery, it's like, all right, let's start picking up things. <laughs> let's start doing this, move this, move that. Because after the traumatic event, what you do after matters. For new health, to take advantage of, the, of whatever just happened, it matters. And for um, in our faith, it matters the same way. I liken it to this. I've been thinking about this particular moment all, day, uh, all week. It's like if you have a heart attack. And you go into the hospital, and you go to the ER, and they do the thing. You take your baby aspirin, and they, you know, they warfing you up or whatever the, the blood thinner is. They got you stabilized. You're cool. You're in the hospital a couple days. Figure it all out. Okay, you're good. Okay, buddy. Eric, you had a heart attack. Now, no more double cheeseburgers. No more. You, know, you guys got to stop smoking. You got to stop drinking. You got to stop doing this. I, I'm not judging him. I don't know what's going on. Okay, so everyone's like, thanks, Jared. It's turning really red right now. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, you got to stop all these things. You got to stop doing this stuff. I'm sorry, Eric. I apologize. Um, you got to stop doing this. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Kale all the way, baby. Woo-woo. You know, I'm salads. I'm turning vegetarian. I'm good. I don't want to have another heart attack. We are done. His buddy comes to the hospital the last day. He's like, hey, buddy, I smuggled you in some Wendy's. I got the, I got the, uh, you know, the triple bacon bacon baconator. And even if he's not enough, I got his son, the son of baconator, here for you too, right? And then, so now all of a sudden, it's a real thing, Jill. I'm sorry, those are actual hamburgers. Um, so you, you, they actually could feed a whole African village for a month. One of those hamburgers has the caloric intake. Um, but, but then you're right back in it. You're eating the hamburger, eating the bacon cheeseburger. Oh, but I need the hash browns with that as well and put some gravy on it as well, right? And so you're back in the action of, of back the old behaviors that got you into the heart attack moment in the first place within just, what, a few weeks? Because then you realize kale really actually tastes like trash. You know, like you can put olive oil on it if you want. It's still disgusting, you know? Um, Sorry for you. I know I'm going to get hate mail. Every time I diss uh, Kale from the, from the pulpit, I get hate mail. It's the only time people email me and say, you are so wrong. I say all kinds of weird stuff up here. Kale is the thing you guys are defensive about. It is funny. 
Um, I know, I know, I know. You sent it to me. It's okay. It's just nasty. It is what it is. Um, but we, we fall off the vegetable bandwagon so fast. We go back to the old behaviors. We go to a, our back to our old addiction so quick. How many times, like you've seen people walk out of the hospital. I've seen this because doing hospital visits, I've seen people come out of the, the thing. The orderly gets them out of the wheelchair. They take one step off the property. They're, they're usually it's like a nephew, hands them a cigarette and they're like, hold on, I got to turn off my oxygen tank so I can smoke the cigarette. Stop doing that, right? But none of, nobody here does that. That's always them, right? Them, they, they do that. We do the same thing emotionally, spiritually, and physically, right? Emotionally, we go to the hospital, we go to the church when we have this traumatic event in our lives. We have something occur, something happen, something that we need God so badly. And we come to church, and this is a beautiful part of what God is, as in the hospital. It is beautiful that we save lives. Here, we save eternities. We save souls. That is beautiful, we get you to a place. Okay, we've worked with you. you. You've accepted Christ. He's bought your past, your present, and your future. Well, you're really good with the past and the present, but you're not so cool about the future part yet, right? And we walk out of here, and we walk back into our old habits, and then we're like, God must be broken. He did a really bad job saving me. My cardiologist has no idea what he's doing. That pastor has no idea what he's preaching, right? Because you come here once a week, and I go, hey, guess what? Quit smoking and drinking. Your heart will be better. I don't normally say that. I say something else akin to it. You guys get what I'm saying. And you're like, that guy just says the same thing. Well, have you done it? That's not the point. Right? Because we haven't done the rehabilitation to become who, to have life again, to have the life that God has called us to. We do the same thing with our hearts. My dad has, uh, is, di- is a diabetic now. And um, my mom's favorite thing to cook, make him is this ginor- I mean, ginormous my arms around the fruit bowl that he gets makes a fruit salad with every sugary fruit there is. And he's like, I don't know why my sugar numbers, I've been eating good stuff. Dad, that's, you could have eaten a Hershey's bar and it would have been healthier for you than the amount of berries you just ate, but it's a fruit. So it's okay. That's pure sugar. He doesn't, he hasn't processed that. And I can make fun of him all day long because he's not here. Um, (laughs) But it's the same thing. Like, we know we shouldn't do something. We're like, oh, you know, that's, it's okay. No, we haven't changed our habits to get through it. And so the spiritual rehab that I want to talk about for the next few weeks is really delving into how do we change these, these habits? How do we work through that? How do we make the changes? How do we uh, become the person that God is calling us to? Because if we believe he's bought and paid for our past and our present, how do we become the person that he's calling us to in the future? How do we have sustained health? How do we get the most out of everything he's paid for? Because he paid the ultimate price, right? We we took communion this morning. His body was broken. His blood poured out for our past, for our stuff. And if we want to get the most goody out of all of that purchase, we have to change some habits, change some things in our lives, change some points of view. That's really what uh, Paul is talking about here in Ephesians um, verse 13 to 20, and it's, it's what we want to talk about here as well. Uh, to recap, kind of a summary statement of today's message, spiritual rehab means working to a place of strength 
being rooted in love and develops deep relationship. This is what spiritual rehab, according to Paul in Ephesians 3, does. It, it means working to a place of strength, getting back strength. And a rehab does that too, right? If you have, you, you have a traumatic car wreck, the thing is to get back to a place in which you can walk again. You, you set goals and you start working towards those goals. Get to a place of strength, being rooted in love, getting your core right. They'll have you doing exercises. You're like, it's, my arm hurts. Yeah, well, you need to work on your abs. But my arm hurts. You don't understand. Because if your core is right, you can be rooted and everything else will be better health. We're going to talk a lot of, I'm going to kill that metaphor of medical to spiritual today. Okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to unabashedly just use that over and over and over again. So if you don't like that metaphor, today is not going to be your day. Uh, but we're going, to, we're going to keep on working on it, okay? And finally, and develops deep relationships. This one blew me away. I'd never thought of this point actually uh, before this week. Um, As I read Paul um, and realized uh, something that we're going to talk about later in the message, but this develops deep relationship. Not necessarily, it is a deep relationship with God, but this is talking about deep friendships. Develops deep relationships. So if we've believed in Jesus to save our souls, and that's, that's what we do. Maybe you've come here today. Um, the church also acts as an ER center. Like, you've come here today with a broken heart, broken spirit. Life is in a, a rough place. There's some past stuff that's just, it's just beating you down. And the, the Jesus we're talking about today purchases, pays for all of the junk in your life, in your past. It pays for the stuff that's going on right now in your present. And it pays for whatever messes and stuff you're going to get in in the future. It's where Jesus meets us. He saves us. If you think of it a different way, he will save us from drowning in life's pain, in life's messes, in our spiritual conundrums. Jesus will pick us up out of the waves. But here's the thing. If we trust him enough to save us from drowning, Do we trust him enough to teach me to swim? Because I like my water wingies and my life jacket. And I'm a good swimmer. So, God, if you will only come by when the waves are crashing, you know, cresting 10 feet. They had a guy die yesterday in Chicago. Did you see this on the news? He was minding his own business, walking on the walk, and a huge wave came in and sucked him out. Did you hear about this? It's crazy. Um. Now, if I'm walking on the river walk at Chicago, I'm not wearing a life jacket. You look kind of goofy with water wingies. Imagine just walking down there on the Navy Pier. What's up? What are you doing? Just in case a wave comes, I got my water wingies on. Sorry, that's where my brain goes. Um, but if I trust Jesus to save me from drowning, do I trust him to teach me to swim? I trust him to say, to grab my hand. I'm in too deep, God. Grab me, pull me up. Okay, 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 I'm going to jump back in now. Wait, I just saved you. You want to learn how to swim? No, nah, no, nah, you, you got me. And you jump back in. God, I'm drowning again. You're a really bad lifeguard. Uh, But I wanted to teach you how to swim. That's a process. And that takes time. If I trust Jesus enough to save me from drowning, do I trust him enough to teach me to swim? Have you ever taught anybody to swim? I used to teach three-year-olds and four-year-olds how to swim. There is, there might not be a better job in this world than teaching three- and four-year-olds how to swim. They are so cute and wonderful. And the first thing you got to do is you got to kick parents out. 
because parents will come in and save them. Don't do that to my baby. It's okay. The tears are fine. Right, my mercy quotient, and there is none, was great for teaching three and four-year-olds how to swim because it's like, yeah, I'll get them in a second. They're turning blue. Okay, fine. Uh, no. Um, but it's the same thing. The first thing you do is you say, parents, I need you to leave because they'll just they'll automatically go, do you see what he's doing to me? Got to throw away the water wingies. Kids will come in. They're all like, they got the flippers and everything. You're like, you don't know how to do any of that. I need my goggles on. You're not putting your head under the water today. It's cool. Okay. What, you, know, you just got to deal with it. But we're the same way spiritually. Gotta, I don't necessarily trust you to teach me to swim, so I got my life vest on. I got my water wing. You can't learn how to swim with water wings on, actually. You, you can't. Like, it, it doesn't work. That's not how that, that goes. Because uh, it, it's teaching you bad habits and, and all kinds of uh, terrible things. Spiritually, we do the same thing. We we like we go. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know just listen to Oprah today, and Oprah can get me through some stuff. You know, I'll 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 I'll, I'll do this thing, but I don't have a deep relationship. I haven't learned how to swim on my own to be able to navigate life's issues. What I really need is Jesus to teach me how to swim, so I can deal with all the stuff that's going on. I'm a good swimmer. I swam competitively for years and years and years and years and years and years. I am faster than you in the water. I promise you. You put a life jacket on me, I can't go anywhere. So when I put things on that just I don't need, that I don't trust in, in what God has taught me, all kinds of stuff happens. And spiritually, the same thing goes on. We deal with stuff. We, we are, we're faced with issues maybe in our marriage or with our job or with our kids. And instead of trusting in what God has taught us and trusting in what God is, is shaping us towards and what he's, he's moved us towards and what we've been reading in the scripture, instead we start putting on other accoutrements. We start putting on other life jackets. We start putting on other water weenies that all they do is just slow us down and they get confused and we aren't effective in the water of life. You hearing me? If I trust Jesus to save me from drowning, do I trust him to teach me to swim? All right, what's trauma? Trauma is a deeply distressing event. Trauma is a deeply distressing event. So lots of us can say we've had traumas in our life, and they might not all be car wrecks and strokes, right? Deeply distressing events. You might have suffered a trauma this morning. If you have a child, you have trauma in your life, right? There's there, not drama, trauma. There is, the drama is like one, baby step one, but trauma is a... Oh, my goodness. Right? You just, it it happens. Lucy this week decided she was going to learn how to climb. Bowen has a lofted bed. And so Lucy, my 19-month-old, decided she enjoyed being with all the stuffed animals that he's hidden from her in the lofted bed. And so I hear a boom. I was like, oh, Lord. Walked up there, and she's at the bottom of the stairs, and she's mad. I don't even think she hurt. She didn't have any scrapes on her or anything. She's just mad that she didn't make it all the way to the top of the stairs. She is Kelly's daughter and Tina Hauser's granddaughter. <laughs> but she is mad at those stairs that they did not allow her to conquer them. Right? But there was a traumatic event. And now she hasn't been climbing up those stairs yet. Um, but that'll happen probably this week trying to. Now you guys are like, wow, Jared, you're really an inattentive father. There's three of them. They outnumber me, okay? Um, so... Uh, there's, if you have kids, you have a traumatic event. You always do. There's trauma everywhere. You might have suffered all kinds of different trauma, but you learn from the trauma. Something results from trauma. 
Um, fear comes because of trauma. Victory comes because of trauma. Uh, when there are deeply distressing events, you can, they're, they're an opportunity for an immense victory or immense defeat. They're, you don't stay the same after a trauma, right? You don't just go, oh, okay. You lose a loved one. You don't go, oh, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm good. <laughs> no, you're not. You don't stay the same. You don't stay the same after cancer. You don't stay the same after stroke. You don't stay the same after someone's addicted to something. You don't stay the same. And so after a traumatic event, I'll just tell you a couple traumas um, in escalating uh, traumatic fashion for you. Uh, first is, I've told you this. This has made, actually, I thought about it. This has made more messages of my life um, since I've been here than any other illustration I've used. I got bit by a Doberman Pinscher when I was seven years old. Right, you probably all heard this. That is a traumatic event. Some of you say, I know a Doberman. It's so nice. It's wonderful. I ain't coming near your house. My kids aren't coming to your house. I don't care how nice and cool you are. I don't care how many cookies you offer me. I'm not coming to your house because you got a Doberman pincher in your house. It's not happening. My result for my traumatic event of being bit by a Doberman pincher is, nope, not happening. There's a man that lives in this neighborhood right here that has a big old honking Doberman pincher. And he comes over to this field. And he throws the ball for it to get some exercise for it. I am in my 2003, you know, a billion ton Chevy Avalanche driving around the, the school coming to the church. And I'm still like, nope, 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 nope. Like, I could go boom, and take out that Doberman. That's an option. <laughs> Just a little. Uh, <laughs> that is wrong. Jesus, please forgive me of that. Um, but that traumatic event really scarred me in that, right? Some of you are thinking about dogs that you've lost. You're like, thanks, Jared, you're bringing that up. <laughs> I was three years old. We had a fireplace. And my dad um, had stoked the, the fire. And I was really good. The fire's hot. You don't touch the fire. Got it. Check. Didn't say anything about not touching the poker. So he pulled the poker out, stuck it on there. There's a piece of ash on that poker, and that poker needed to be cleaned. Three-year-old Jared, the only time in his life, this is why I don't clean stuff. Three-year-old Jared. <laughs> Three-year-old Jared. That was, got a little more laughter than it needed to be, by the way. <laughs> Three-year-old Jared saw the ash on that thing and went, <laughs> wouldn't come off. What do you do? I branded myself with my hand as a three-year-old Jared. My whole, my whole little hand was a little blister. Guess who doesn't touch pokers with their hand anymore, right? Nope, nope, nope. My kids, we had a fireplace in Georgia, and I was clear, that's hot, but also this is hot. You don't touch these, you don't do these things. Nope, 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 nope. Because you know, it's not like it was bad parenting. It just was I was trying to be helpful, right? And it just is what it is. But a traumatic event, I learned a lesson. Don't do this and don't do that. Four-year-old Jared. <laughs> if you think more than five minutes in your own life about your traumatic events, you're going to find some, okay? Four-year-old Jared. Um, you, you remember, like, in the 80s, they made action figures out of, like, cast iron? Right now, they're all plastic. But I had a Voltron, which is on Netflix now. Thank you. Mr. Netflix, um, but a Voltron that it was basically based out of, uh, out of a metal action figure, so you couldn't break it, and I wanted to show mom, I was so proud of something I learned about my action figure, and I walked up to her and barely tapped her shin, her shins explodes, she gets like 13 stitches um, because of that. Now, to this day, and I've taught this to my son, so I'm sorry, 
but you come close to my mom's legs, you're going to get body checked like nobody's business. Like I could, I could be on the bears this morning. I don't care if your kid's three years old. He's getting checked. Like I, I, it's, it's, it's in there. Like, boom. Nope, 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 nope. You'll, you'll bounce. You know, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will no, because it is, it is, it is, it is real. It is real. And it's even worse today than it was, you know, 35 years ago. And so there's a traumatic event that, that said, no. And now if you, we can laugh at Jared and his dumb growing up all, all the time, but you've got the same traumas in your own life. You have something that's being said. Someone hurts you. Maybe they were, maybe they were an alcoholic. Maybe they had uh, other kinds of issues. Whatever it was, something happened, and then you see that behavior maybe even come close in someone else, and you automatically walls go, and you start protecting yourself, and stuff happens. Because of that traumatic event, you do, you, you, something changes, right? We, ha- we have those all in our lives. In the way in which we do it spiritually, physically, emotionally, we, we, we see the traumatic event, and something changes in us, and it goes on. God offers a different way to deal with the trauma. And it's found in Ephesians here. This dealing with the trauma. Because we, we, we do, like, you know, as kids, we start, we learn. Fire is hot. Blood is bad. Right? Drowning, not a good thing. We learn appropriate fear. Fear is a proper reaction to a lot of these different things. But we have to learn these things. But it takes rehabilitation to know how to process the trauma that we've dealt with in life, whether that's physical or spiritual or emotional. So in Ephesians chapter 3, it says this. I'm going to read some scripture for you. Uh, bear with me. But uh, this is a little longer than I usually read, read scripture. But I want you to just absorb this in. <clears throat> Verse 13. I ask you, therefore... Not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Remember, his sufferings for them, he's in jail. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, underline, verse 18, may have power together double underline together with all the Lord's holy people, underline Lord's holy people twice because it's really important, maybe even circle it if you're feeling feisty, to grasp all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations, forever and ever. Amen. There's a couple things there that are just awesome, and I want to quickly go over them. We're going to explore them in the following weeks. But remember, spiritual rehab means working to a place of strength, rooted in love, and develops deep relationship. See, the relationship or the rehabilitation that I'm looking for is the one that Paul is speaking about here in Ephesians. How do we move on? How do we go from a place where I just keep on coming to church? God, fix my broken heart, fix my broken heart. 
he fixes your broken heart, and then I go back and I find and I start doing the same stupid stuff over and over and over again. I want to get to a place I say, God, fix my broken heart, fix my broken heart. I want to be changed by you, and I do this. And instead of going over there, I start a new path of life. Because when God promises that you will have life and life to its full, He's not talking about a a, just a, a cyclical event. Oh, I messed up. I got to go back to Jesus. Oh, I messed up. I got to go back to Jesus. This is not full life. This is a treadmill. And Lord knows I hate treadmills. Right? I want a different life. I want to go on an adventure. I want to go on a hike. I want to explore. I want to experience everything that God has for me. And so by just going through the same motions, God, I messed up. Help me. God, I messed up. Help me. I wanted to do something different. Because that's not what God and what Jesus died on the cross for is you just keep on going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He came to set you free, came to give you a different kind of life. And to experience that, you got to go through spiritual rehab. First thing he offers us is this. God will strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? That was verse 16. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you through the power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell with you and through faith. That God will strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit. We've got to pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, to strengthen us, to live in us, to give us the discernment and the wisdom that we so crave when we deal with the issues of life. That there are different choices. When trauma happens, when stuff happens in our life, when that person enters your room, enters, says those things, there's a different reaction between the one that you've been doing for the last 20 years. There's a different way of living. God will strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit. I have seen just as much evidence of the Holy Spirit working in my life by what I have said as what I have not said. I've experienced the Holy Spirit working in my life as much by what I have not done and not said. And that's where discernment and wisdom comes in. There's been moments in my life where I felt a divine, "Mm, shut your face. Don't do that. Don't move. Let it happen. And that often wonders to me, like, going back to me teaching swim lessons. There's moments in teaching swim lessons where you have to what? You have to let go. You have to let that kid feel them go down and then come back up. They have to know to be able to trust themselves that I can get through this, that I can learn this, that I can do this. Because if I always have the buoy on them, if I always have my hands under their armpits, they're never going to learn to trust that they can actually do it. Sometimes when God doesn't answer your prayer the way you want to, he's like, just wait a second. This is going to be awesome. And we're like, fighting the whole way through. God's like, wait, if you would just calm down, you're going to see the beauty. You're going to see the wonder. You're going to see the glory of what I've been doing in your life, how much you've grown, how much you've, you've progressed, how much deeper and wider your, your wisdom is. Just in a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sometimes we get to see the Holy Spirit move by what we don't say, what we don't do, just as much as when we say something and we do something. Second thing, Christ will dwell in your hearts, being rooted and established in love. Christ will be rooted and established in love. Now this, I planted two trees um, this year. I got them, we took a vacation and went to Mount Vernon, went to Washington, D.C., did the whole museum scene. But the coolest thing we did on the last day was we went to Mount Vernon. And Mount Vernon actually sells uh, trees that have been, are, are passed down from the trees that uh, George Washington and his horticulturist uh, developed when he lived on the property. And so I bought two of these trees and, and planted them in 
uh, on our, in our house, uh, on my property, uh, <laughs> on the third of an acre we have here in Juliet. Uh, but uh, you know, I planted these trees because I thought, what a really cool thing. Like, that sycamore tree, if it survives, because look who planted it. Uh, if it survives, it's like, it's, one of the, it's kind of American history right there. That's really, really cool. But here I am, I'm doing all this research on how to, to care for a tree. Of course, as soon as I plant that tree, it doesn't rain for six weeks. Right? Because there's no root system developed to hold it. There's, there's nothing, it has no roots to, to help itself survive. So I had to baby it along, baby it along, baby it along. I've never watered a plant so much in my whole life. Usually you get a plant, I'm like the first day, I'm like, oh, I watered it. Good for me. Put a little miracle grow, maybe two, and I forget about it. Why did it die? I've watered it. Yet we watered it once. You're, this one, I, I, Yvonne keeps on reminding me. Did you water your tree today? Yes, I did. I did. Because I want it to root and grow and take off. And the same thing happens in our relationship with Jesus, right? When we water it, when we nurture it, when we let those roots grow deep in love in our souls, something different happens. We don't have a superficial kind of relationship. We have a deep nurturing relationship. Third, develop deep relationships that show you the depth of God's love. And this is my ad for life groups. I've never noticed this before in this scripture before. Never noticed this. I've quoted this scripture so many times. You sing songs about it, everything. I never noticed it's not about God. I never noticed it's not about God. Where'd it go? Verse 18. Uh, wait, sorry. Being rooted in exceptional may have power together, power together with Lord uh, with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how uh, long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Who's grasping that? Is it you because you read the Bible eight times? Is it you because you listened to preaching? Is it you because you prayed once? No, it's because you've been in community with God's holy people. That's where we start to learn how wide, how deep, how grand, how beautiful God's love is for us. I've, I've never read that in the, the, the scripture before, that it's about the body of Christ loving each other, and that's how we get to see how deep, how wide, how wonderful God's love is. And so as my shameless plug for life groups is, that's where that happens. Sunday morning, things happen. I would love to have 100% attendance of everyone who ever comes to church here every week. That would be amazing. The reality is you, I get you once every three weeks. Now, I would hope that we would improve that, that ratio, but that's just where we're at in life, right? That's where our country's at. I think we can do better, but that's where Christianity's at. One every three weeks is what you get, get people. A normal, in and, and attendance fashion, is a, if you get a new person to church, you can expect them to come uh, once a month. That's uh, one, 12 times a year, you've got a new member at church. That's Crazy, because when I grew up, I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, probably cleaning something on Friday. Like it's like every 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 time those doors are open. I was a pastor's kid, and I still had to be there, right, all the time. That's just not not how life goes anymore. So I can either whine about that, or we can offer different ways in which to delve into relationship. And that's where life groups happen. Because where do we experience the depth of God's love? Where do we experience the width of God's love? How high it is, how wonderful it is. We experience it when we're in community with God's people. And so one of the things that happens when we're in life groups is we get to experience how wonderful that life is, how experienced that love is. And when we've had that love experience, that's when we get to start 
to figure out, and, and we understand that people in our lives help us on that rehab process. This week, I, I struggled so hard. Uh, I just had this, you ever have a feeling of emotion, whether it's uh, joy, sadness, depression, loneliness, whatever it is, it, you can see the wave coming. It's, it was like a tsunami. I had this feeling of loneliness uh, this week that it just felt like this tidal wave was coming at me. And I could see it coming. And I was being sucked. You know, you know, if you've ever been in the ocean and then that undercurrent come out, and I could just feel myself getting sucked in. I was like, it's crested. This is going to be bad. I'm surrounded by people, and I feel so lonely. And so what I do is uh, instead of being sucked under, like normal, uh, honestly, um, but instead of getting sucked under, I, I just texted one of my really, really good friends. Uh, we have a dear brother in Christ. And prayer warrior and just wonderful man of God. Haven't talked to him in about a year. It's one of those relationships you can go a year without talking to him. You say two words and they're like, all right, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, what's going on, I'm praying for you. I have a couple of guys in my life that are those kind of guys and it's awesome. And so I texted him and I said, hey man, I need prayer because this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And I knew I could trust that the community in which we'd built, the relationship that we already built, I knew I was being lifted to God. That my friend that's 700 miles away is lifting me to God and saying, you know what? He's on, I, knew, I knew immediately he's on his face praying to God that I would get through the stuff that I was going through. Those are the kind of relationships that this place should be all about. Right? That those are the kinds of, of, of times in which we get to see the depth of Jesus' love for you and others that I got a glimpse of how much Jesus loves me by the way in which Michael reacted to me sending him a simple text saying, I need your love right now. That takes vulnerability and takes all kinds of stuff on my part, whatever. I know that God has worked through that relationship to speak to my, my heart. We've got to be a place, and that's where our life group has tried to be the on-ramps to build those kind of relationships. No, they're not all lovey-dovey. Our, our men's group on Monday night, we very rarely all lovey-dovey, but there's good relationships built there. I can't make the same promises for the women's groups. But, um, <laughs> but as we step into that, that's who we got to be because how do we get to experience the depth and the width and the wonder of God's love? By, the body, by experiencing the body of Christ. That blew my brain. I hope it wrecks you a little bit. Like we can't, we're not going to experience the proper emotional and spiritual rehab that we need if we don't jump into doing life and community with the people in our church, with other believers. We're not. We, that's the promise of the, the depth and the width of the love of Christ is when we are in community with others. I think that's beautiful and that's an opportunity because that's not a crazy step. That's not asking for something just outlandish. You know, you've got to, you know, paint your house red and you've got to sell everything you own. No, no, no. What I want you to do is do life with other believers. Oh, you mean just hang out with, with people? Yeah, that's, that was it. I could, I could do that. You might have to bribe some people, smoke some ribs, you know, whatever it needs to happen, make a cake, whatever, whatever that needs to look like, but we just need to be this place of community. So then we get to see the depth and grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and the Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever. Through this rehabilitation, 
Jesus is able to do immeasurably more through us. Instead of being on this cycle, I need you, God. I need you, God. We're skipping like an old CD player. Immeasurably more is going on the adventure with God. Living a life that he's called us to. Living a life that's different. Living a life that's more valuable, that's deeper, and more beautiful than we ever could imagine. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this rehab. We're going to talk about how we go on that adventure and get off the cycle that we're in. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I know some of us come here this morning, we are hurting and we are in desperate need of your intervention this morning. And so God, for the people who are just wrecked this morning, that need your love, they need an encounter from you, they need your spirit to reign in their lives. Lord, I I pray that you would move in their life in this time, in this moment, in this morning. That they would know that you are the answer to pick them up out of the issues that they're in. But God, I also ask you to give them the clarity of thought and the strength to be able to to move away, to repent from the old life and step into the new life. That they will have the strength, that they will have the courage to enter a rehab, a spiritual rehab in which you show them life and life to the fullest. God, as we deal with, with the traumas of life. These are not just easy little things. They're hurtful. They change the pattern of our life. They change the directions of our life. God, that we would give each one of those over to you. As as we explore these different hurts, as we explore these different pains, Lord, we, we want to have the courage to give them to you. Lord, we love you. We ask for strength. We ask for discernment. We ask for wisdom. As we live this life this week, as we go back to our families, as we go back to work, as we deal with the different issues that we'll have this week, Lord, we pray for you to anoint our tongues, anoint our minds, anoint our hands, that we'll know when to do something and when not to do something, when to speak and when not to speak. God, we crave your guidance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.